0: Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. And today we're going to be discussing the do not draft wide receivers for 2020. I made a video on this all the way back, I believe in like April. So we're just going to be updating that video, updating ADP, some players that stand out. Now, no major news has happened because we haven't had the preseason and we might not have the preseason and we haven't had much movement in general because of everything that has been going on. So not a lot of ways for athletes to, I would say, attend camps and beat writers to be there and get a lot of news from them. So not a lot of major news, so nothing major the changes, but at least maybe some of the analysis, I believe it's probably going to change from that earlier video. And I'm sure not a lot of people actually saw because in April, not a lot of people are caring, or at least the far majority of people don't care until like July and August, and obviously early September for the 2020 redraft fantasy football season. So thank you for being here right now. My name is Sal Betrie and I cover fantasy sports in a variety of different sports. We're buckled up, we're on the roller coaster, we're chicken all the way up, and we're going to drop down for this 2020 season pretty shortly. I like the fact that you're here, you're preparing for it right now. Your league mates probably aren't, they're probably going to suck. probably going to beat them. All those things are probably true. So we're here right now. Do not draft wide receivers. I'm going to go through a couple of them. I think I have like three or four honorable mentions. I think I have four to break down in pretty decent depth on the screen behind me is just the wide receiver player profiles on the Supreme draft guide. You can get it down below. Uh, there's going to be continued more to be added, but every single one of these you click on, uh, we will click on some throughout one of the ones that is going to be starting up is on the screen right now for one of the guys that is do not draft for me. So we'll start there. If we can, right before we get into this hit the like button, big old subscribe button just popped up. Be sure to hit that if you're listening on the podcast, $50 giveaway every single week week. Only like three people leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. You leave a five-star review, say something nice. It literally takes 30 seconds. You'll be entered into a raffle for that week's $50 giveaway. And you'll probably have like a 20 to 30% chance, depending on how many people from this YouTube video and podcast now go over there. So sorry for blowing up anybody's spot that was planning on doing it before me promoting it. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide down below. It's a limited time offer only for $10. Thanks to Monkey Night Fight. Otherwise, it's $30 on the site. All the information for that is linked down below in the description, all the player profiles, the rankings, the stats, all that stuff. It's a great value. Go ahead. I'd get it. Let's give you some more value than anybody else is probably going to give you in the goddamn industry. So we're going to start with the first guy right now, who's going to be one Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is somebody that probably not going to be drafting. Cortland Sutton right now is currently going as like the wide receiver. I think he's fallen. He was going earlier in the summer and really the freaking spring as wide receiver 12. I think he's down to like wide receiver 18, according to Fantasy Pro's ADP right now, but he's still outside my top 24 wide receivers. He's right now pushing being outside my top 25 wide receivers for redraft formats, uh, and this is why. In 2019, he played 16 games, and he was great. 95% of the snaps. He went for 72 receptions, over 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns on 126 targets, 26% target share, 28.2% red zone target share, one of the highest in the league. And he did this past catching it together with not so great quarterback play from guys just filling in from drew lock for those final five or six games of the season last year and if you're looking at it that's the big reason why there's two big reasons why you don't like Cortland Sun as much this year or at least you don't draft him as where he was pretty much finishing last year like a lot of people earlier on this year were doing and really right now they're even still doing to an extent and the first of those two big reasons is drew lock might just suck right they put so much talent around him which is the second reason so more quote-unquote mouths to feed Cortland Sun's the alpha out there i i'm not going to be concerned with and sudden, not getting his. The whole mounts defeat thing is if uh, the guys in the back end, the KJ Hamlers that were drafted, right? The 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 tight ends, maybe like no, fine, I'm not too worried about. But Albert, oh, it's those guys having an opportunity to get more opportunity, right? More targets, more volume, all that. And sudden, I'm not too concerned about that. I personally am just concerned that Drew Lock probably just sucks, and that's just my take on it based on watching five games on him, based on watching his tape for when he came out doing the evaluation. There, I don't really have much faith in Drew Lock. And you could prop up a quarterback, you can. You could prop him up with talent, you could prop him up with offensive line play, which they did very under the radar offensive line ad from Detroit Lions and Graham Glasgow. So I think that's actually a bigger need and a bigger issue for just having good offensive line play for him. But they give him a ton of weapons, both from tight ends to wide receivers that are rookies to obviously Melvin Gordon. So there's everything now around Julak, but what if he just sucks? And there's a good chance that is. And based on the ADP right now, I think a lot of people are just assuming that Locke is going to be good or better than expected. And I think that's a fair statement if you want to make the argument that the talent around him props him up enough. But if I'm here to make the argument that Julak is average, well, then I think, Cortland suns outside the top 20 and closer to the top 25 wide receiver and if i think that drew lock sucks which i'm not going to say He is the worst quarterback in the league. But if I'm going to project him to be a bottom 10 quarterback, starting quarterback in the league, uh, bottom five even, well, then Corlin Sutton starts to become like a wide receiver 25, 26, 27 in my projections and rankings for me. Those final five games last year with Drew Locke, I'll pop it up on the screen right now, 22 receptions, 280 yards, and two touchdowns on 39 targets. He actually saw 7.8 targets per game. His ADOT reduced, like his whole volume actually went up. His targets per game were going up based on his previous 11 games. So he saw 50% of his end zone targets in those final six games, in those final five games, which is pretty good. He was being targeted in the end zone by Drew Locke. So his volume wasn't going anywhere. The whole narrative that there's so much more talent here, I don't think it's going to affect him all that much. He's still the only true alpha on the outside. Tim Patrick is not taking his snaps. Jerry, Judy, and Hamler can split those slot snaps all they want. Hamler maybe goes to the outside a little bit, but nobody's really a true alpha like Cortland Sutton on this team. So his overall volume went up. So that's good to see, but his overall efficiency completely dropped because, well, Drew Locke just wasn't good last year in general. His completion percentage was pretty abysmal. You had Cortland Sutton scoring 10.6 fantasy points per game, with Locke, 14.4 in the 11 games without Locke. So his fantasy points per game dropped by about four per game. That's not great. His yards per reception dropped by three yards. So having a struggle to complete deep passes was something that Drew Locke was known for. Having a struggle to just complete really any intermediate, uh, difficult type of throws was really a struggle for Drew Locke as well. Denver was throwing the 25th most times per game as their defense picked up to the mid to end of the year last year. And they had a rookie, of course, in Locke for the final five games. So maybe you don't throw as much, just 34.1 attempts per game. Locke attempted 31.4 Two attempts per game himself, 204 yards per game, and just seven touchdowns, at 4.5% rate. So I think a big factor is obviously the quarterback play. And now what else they did in the offseason is going to be another factor. They had Melvin Gordon, Nick Vanette, a blocking tight end primarily and Graham Glasgow, who I think was one of the more underrated moves. Some of these offensive line moves have gone very underrated. And I think one of the biggest ones is Graham Glasgow. Melvin Gordon has just kind of been forgotten about because he's somebody that happened in free agency really well before the free agency period ended. And then also obviously the NFL draft, which was the biggest spectacular event of the entire summer for so far far the the NFL season and really most sports that live uh, draft, the virtual draft. And then the NFL draft, they go, they get Jerry Judy and Hamler and back-to-back picks. They get Albert O in the fourth round, and then they pick up another wide receiver in the seventh round who probably doesn't make much of an impact in Tyree Cleveland. So you had all these pieces now, uh, two slot receivers primarily that play similar roles, very fast wide receivers. Hamler, probably the fastest receiver on this team now. And then Jerry Judy, two burners out of the slot. Uh, You have also Jerry Judy being a very technical route runner. Both guys can play on the outside, mainly Hamler, I think would go there more often. So now... Now you're in the situation where okay you have a lot of talent at wide receiver they get Albert O so they have depth and speed at tight end so they have good depth pieces and obviously you have Philip Lindsay and even Royce Freeman at this point behind Melvin Gordon so the offense is built up looks to be good Cronin looks to still be the alpha and if by by a far margin in my opinion but not a top 18 not a borderline top 15 receiver for me because of the fact that I think his quarterback might just stink so the target competition does come down to the two rookie wide receivers to Melvin Gordon and to an extent I don't know if he'll catch as many passes now that he's not attached to Philip Rivers and then you have guys like potentially Deshaun Hamilton, if he's still going to make this team, uh, he'll probably be replaced by his own Penn State alumni friend himself and KJ Hamler. So so Jerry Judy, you had in 2019, he had over 1,100 yards. He had 10 touchdowns on a 25% target share. Hamler, very similar, had a 25% target share and 94 targets, 904 yards and eight touchdowns. And then Noah Fant last year, potential breakout candidate, Potential right up there with TJ Hawkinson, his former teammate for the tight ends this year coming into their second year, potentially looking to break out 68% of the snaps dealt with a foot injury down the stretch, but didn't miss any games. He had 67 targets, 562 yards and three touchdowns for playing with pretty bad quarterback play. Nothing spectacular and being a rookie is a pretty good rookie tight end season. So for me, it's all about ADPs and that's where you want to do not draft off of. And right now for me, I'm skipping Cortland Sutton, wherever he's being drafted. I'm taking a ton of wide receivers around him. And I mean, the wide receivers that I'm currently taking around Cortland Sutton range from guys like Devante Parker range from guys like DK. Kay Metcalf, T.Y. Hilton, even Terry McLaurin right now. I'm borderline taking over him. So those types of names are all around him that I would just rather have at this point. A.J. Brown, of course, is going to be up there for me. Keenan Allens, all those types of names I'd rather have. DJ Shark, even I think, is one step ahead, one spot ahead of Cortland Sutton for me. Next up for me is Mike Williams. And since my last video on this topic, Mike Williams has dropped. He was going as like the wide receiver 38. He has now dropped to going as like the wide receiver 43, wide receiver 44 on some sites. He's my wide receiver 49. He's very close to being bumped outside my top 50 because there's some young and exciting rookies or second year wide receivers that I like that I currently have in my early 50s. I think guys like Denzel Mims, I think some other guys like Michael Pittman might be around there. But Michael Williams, for me, is somebody that I just don't want to have any pieces of to be completely honest with you, unless he's dropping for some reason, like two rounds, which there's a good chance that he does if a lot of people start to avoid him based on the, the alarming facts that you have to kind of look at for his 2020 campaign compared to his 2019 season. So the first one is that he's being drafted at ADP as a top 45 wide receiver when I think he's a wide receiver 49 at best right now. So I'm just never going to really want to get there at all. In 2019, he just had sort of an in-between season, right? He had all the touchdowns the season before, and it was like, okay, that's probably going to regress. And then that regressed to a major way with him only scoring last year, two touchdowns, but would regress in a positive way to kind of balance it out was the fact that he had only 49 receptions and still broke 1,000 yards, 1,001 yards to be exact, because his yards per reception was just so elite. So he caught 49 passes, as you can see here on 90 targets last year, just a 16.5% target share, just 49 receptions, still broke 1,000 yards and had just two touchdowns. Now he actually dropped a touchdown and what would have probably been like a 60 yard touchdown. I remember as well in a primetime game, Philip Rivers overthrew him on what would have likely been another 40 yard reception, maybe a touchdown. So his numbers could have even been better last year from both the yards per perspective standpoint. And like just those two plays alone, that's 52 receptions or 51 receptions for like 1100 yards. And now you have three touchdowns. Now you're jumping up like six spots in the wide receiver finishes last year. He was 25th in overall yards last year, but he was number two in yards per reception at 20.4 per and number one in average target distance. What this pretty much means is that out of all the wide receivers in the league, Phillip Rivers was targeting him the deepest downfield and he was number two in actually bringing in those overall targets. But he finished as the wide receiver 39 last year on all of these numbers. Now you can tell me if he's going to get 90 targets and he's going to produce in this way, then he's not going to score just two touchdowns. I would argue that he's not just a deep threat as well. Like he should see more touchdown usage. 21.1% red zone usage last year. He just got overshadowed by Austin Eckler, by the running game when Melvin Gordon came back, by obviously Keenan Allen and even Hunter Henry who were using the red zone at DC amount. So now you're in a situation where, okay, Mike Williams is still on this team, but Philip Rivers is not. And how much do you trust Tyrod Taylor throwing it deep downfield? I think Tyrod Taylor is accurate. but I don't know if I trust him to unload it as much. And that's probably a good thing for the Chargers because Philip Rivers was taking a lot of unnecessary risks and really his whole career, but also last year for the Chargers. The Chargers did throw the 10th most times per game last year. A lot of checkdowns, of course, to Eckler when he has over a thousand uh, or over a hundred targets that is and close to a thousand receiving yards. But you're looking at what the Chargers did in the offseason. They had Brian Balaga. They trade for Trey Turner. They had Donald Palm, a tight end from the Dallas Renegades, the XFL team, but they shore up their offensive line a little bit. They end up losing Phillip Rivers, some veterans in Melvin Gordon and Russell Okum. Okum was actually a trade for Trey Turner. And then you can see in the NFL draft, they go through, they get Justin Herbert. They go and they get a running back in the fourth round and Joshua Kelly, who's likely going to be battling for Justin Jackson. I assume Jackson will take the early lead as the Melvin Gordon role from last year. And then they get Joe Reed and KJ Hill. I actually like Joe Reed, wide receiver from Virginia, who played some special teams. He'll probably threaten him as a wide receiver three option on this team, because they really haven't had one in two years with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joe Reeb, and you get your Hunter Henry and your backfield, Austin Eckler, and then Joshua Kelly slash Justin Jackson back there. But the biggest thing for me is like one, the quarterback play is not the same A similar concern for guys like Eckler and even Keenan Allen. And, and now all of them really, right? Uh, you have Tyra Taylor coming in who a guy might throw accurate might be somewhat of a Teddy Bridgewater in terms of how deep he's going to throw downfield. And he's going to take off a little bit more and be mobile. So you're not going to have I don't think as much success just naturally, even if Philip Rivers was still here, you're probably going to get a regression towards the mean of not having 20 point four yards per reception is probably going to drop a decent amount at least right and if that's going to happen and your overall targets now since it's similar competition and some rookie wide receivers come in stay around that 90 range Well, now your receptions are dropping maybe you score one to two more touchdowns and it balances out and you end up being the wide receiver 40 but when there was like 10 rookie wide receivers who produced last year now they're coming into a second year and there was literally 20 rookie wide receivers who are going to have an opportunity to produce this year i think it just naturally drops down these buffered players like a mike williams and you factor in just a quarterback change and him not even being